You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today is normally the day we do our weekly show, talking about where the Pacers are at, previewing their upcoming week of games, breaking down interesting topics and players, but one of the co-hosts of the show, Adam Friedman, is traveling, so instead we're going to change up the schedule this week, especially because they have five games, so the weekly show will be tomorrow, breaking down the remaining four games this week, uh, the Cavs game from tonight, and other topics about the team, including the ongoing coaching turmoil. If you want more info on that, we have two and a half podcasts on that from last week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday show. So if you're here for that kind of stuff, go check those out. Uh, probably none of that today because today I want to talk about the Wizards game from over the weekend because that could be a play-in game preview. And I want to discuss, you know, can the Pacers actually handle that Wizards team in a play-in game? What confidences can the Pacers have? And then preview the Cavs game tonight. Kind of an important game for the Pacers, you know. Their play-in hopes kind of hinge on them winning this game. And speaking of hinging on them winning this game, I made a huge magic number calculator for the Pacers to determine how many wins they need to make the play-in in 125 scenarios involving the Bulls, Wizards, and Hornets because I'm a psychopath. So it's not really standings watch. It's more magic number breakdowns, but we'll cover all that. Now that I've talked for a minute and a half, let's actually talk about the Pacers. They played the Wizards over the weekend awesome basketball game i know that the ending was was frustrating for fans and the last two minutes report does actually say the pacers kind of got hosed sabonis got fouled with 17 seconds left it was uncalled wizards got the ball they ended up winning the game on russell westbrook free throws at the buzzer i'm not here to discuss that though this is an awesome game went to overtime uh two guys had triple doubles one guy had 50 points one guy was two assists i think by the end of it away from a triple double that's carousel vert so Really awesome game. Wizards win was the final score was 133-132. So the reason this game was so fascinating, this was the official Wizards sweep over the Pacers. It was the first Wizards win in Indy. And Russ just dominated the Pacers this year. Two games of, of 20-plus rebounds. I think he had 20 assists twice. In this game, in Indy, he had 33-19-15, and 15, right? So the Pacers really love to swarm the ball. Russ is so fast, makes these quick decisions. And the thing that makes him so deadly against the Pacers is he's an awesome rebounder for a guard, right? And they suck at rebounding, especially their guards and perimeter players. So he just eats them up with those. He gets some cheap assists on those, gets some free buckets, and uh, gets fouled on some jump shots to potentially ice a game. So they really struggle to contain him in ways that other teams don't as much personnel-wise. And then Beal is just amazing, right? Beal, Beal has the potential to go off for 50 points on only 31 shots, by the way, at any time, right? He was amazing in this game. Now, he got hurt. We can, I'll break that down later in this segment, but those two guys are so good that the way the Pacers want to play, where they really, really send the defenders at one of the guys, makes it, it's hard because the other one is just kind of away from the play with maybe a small, not necessarily a huge advantage, but a small advantage of some kind. And the Pacers have not gone zone as much against the Wizards. Um, and that, that kind of helped in this one. You know, they didn't give up 150-something. They only gave up 130-something, which is still bad. But these high-paced games, those raw numbers are going to be huge. But they really cannot stop this team. And it doesn't help that the Wizards shot, again, uh, well from the free throw line, 26-30. to 30. They only took 32 threes. They're not a three-point shooting team. But they shot extremely well in the paint again after 90-something points in the paint last time. They had 66 this time, 24 fast break points. Again, they're just so fast that the Pacers, who usually play fast to their advantage, 
the Wizards are used to it. They're ready for it. They've got the transition offense down. So this matchup, once again, proving tough for the Pacers. They went 0-3 against the Wizards for a reason. Because they can't really contain Russ because of his skill set, right? That offensive rebounding, ball hawking he's got is really hard for their personnel. Beal's obviously amazing. And the way they play, where they try to use pace to their advantage, doesn't really work against the Wizards. So they went 0-3 against the Wizards this season. Uh, after the game, I asked Karras and Bjorkren about what they really struggle with with the Wizards, and beyond just talent stuff, they added some nuance to the game that I will include in a piece if the Pacers end up playing the Wizards in a playing game, so I don't want to spoil too much there, but um, the guys are opening up about their struggles with this team. So can the Pacers beat the Wizards if this becomes a play-in situation? So this game did have some positives you could you could flip to and look at and go, yeah, you know, maybe. So let's go to that. First, Karis LeVert played... 40 minutes and six, 41 minutes. It says 60 seconds. I just was reading verbatim off of NBA.com. He played 41 minutes in a 53-minute game. He was a plus three, right? So when he's in the game, he, by the way, was not very good, right? Like his raw stats are awesome. 35 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists is insane. He shot really bad, 30 shots, and he only hit 12 of them. So Karras kind of struggled, and they were still a plus three in his minutes because what he can do, and this is something I want to talk about again later in this segment, but he can kind of slow the game down a tiny bit, right? He gets into the lane, so those long rebounds that let the Wizards run in transition don't happen as much when he shoots or passes, and he slows the game down because he's more methodical with his drives in a way that kind of gives the Pacers an advantage. Uh, O'Shea Brissett was a big plus in this game. He only played about half of the game, and I'll get to... Actually, you know, let's just... While we're still talking about this last game, Keelan Martin ended up playing 15 minutes. He played a ton in the fourth quarter. Like, he was in with three minutes to go, and it did not make sense to me. O'Shea or McDermott or Justin Holiday, I felt, would have been better in that case, but irrelevant now. Um, the Pacers did not shoot very well in this game, but they did well in O'Shea's minutes, right? McDermott's minutes went well. They got enough out of their forwards to make me think that if they just shoot a little better from three with the slowed-down game with Karrison, they can beat the Wizards in one game. So let's talk about... Why I think they, you know, I still think the Wizards would be favored in a playing game against the Pacers, right? They beat them three times. They have the two best players, most likely, I would say. Maybe you could talk, Beal's the best, and then Russ and Sabonis, you could kind of push back and forth. I'd say Russ right now is definitely playing better, right? But in the aggregate of the season, who knows? Anyway, uh, they'd have the two best players, so you'd definitely favor them in a playing game. But why I think the Pacers can win is, is Sabonis and Levert together against the Wizards, in particular, are have just been a deadly duo because, one... The Wizards' center rotation is so weird, right? Alex Len starts, and he does some okay stuff on the glass, but really struggles with the ball in his hands and with defense, right? He was a minus nine. And then they bring in Robin Lopez sometimes. He's got this funky little hook shot and really is a bully inside and, you know, soaks up some fouls and just it doesn't suck for 16 minutes. He was minus two. They lost his minutes too, right? So those two guys just kind of soak up your minutes, give you different looks. And then they have Daniel Gafford. And Daniel Gafford is this athletic rim running guy with some post skills and is a good defender and is really mobile. And he played 16 minutes and 47 seconds, and he was a plus 12, right? So why does that matter? Because Gafford can play a little slower and is a little more skilled and allows the Wizards to do more. But when he's not in the game and the Pacers slow it down with Sabonis and Levert in there, right? Sabonis had 30 points on 21 shots. He was awesome in this game. 13 assists, 13 rebounds. They played through him more on the perimeter, and that has tended to be better, right? It's the thing we've always talked about. When he's not slamming the ball in the post-ups, the offense looks better. It's that simple. So I think if they can continue to run the Levert to bonus two-man game a little slower, right, get into their stuff. I know that the Wizards' defense isn't good in transition necessarily, but going so fast, the Wizards are ready for that. They're ready to push off misses, even makes, 
right? The Pacers are used to that themselves, but they're not good in transition defense. The Wizards have killed them in the last two games at that. Slow the game down a tiny bit, right? If you're going to kick out to shooters, make sure they're wide open. The Pacers did not shoot well from three in this game. They had some tough forced pull-up looks, but I think if those two can slow the game down, the Pacers can have a chance. They just need better shooting in this kind of game. They do not need to steal as many Keelan Martin minutes, right? They went 10 deep, and that's fine, right? They're injured, and some of these guys aren't prepared for bigger roles, but you know, in a playing game, those 15 Keelan Martin minutes would be dispersed between O'Shea, McDermott, and Justin Holiday, all of which who are probably better shooters than Keelan, maybe not in O'Shea's case, but definitely better overall players, right? So that will definitely help too. But better shooting will help, and I think they can slow the... It's weird because the Pacers' speed has been helping them quite a bit of late, but I think against the Wizards, slowing it down will be a little helpful. Maybe they'll get a little more healthy by then, right? Jeremy Lamb is progressing. We, uh, Bjorkren says he's seen him do a bunch of workouts and some court stuff, even though he's not quite at warm-ups and maybe playing in games yet. Maybe he will be later this week. I think we'll see him again this season, if I had to guess. He could be helpful. Scott Agnes reported in Fieldhouse Files that sources tell him they're, the Pacers are hopeful to have Turner back for postseason action. Whether that's playing action or not, I don't know. Just repeating what Scott has in his story. Go check that out. It's his report from after the Wizards game. So maybe Turner can help as well, right? His post presence can really slow down those points in the paint, slow down Gafford, slow down the Wizards in general. He could be helpful. If, but even if he's only ready for the playoffs, not the play-in, Brogdon didn't play in this game, and that's a big one too because he's more methodical and slow and an organizer that they don't really have. And I think Karras playing without him does lead to a little more rush stuff from him, and he struggles. But really, if I, you know, this game I think is a microcosm of why the Pacers can't beat the Wizards because they can't protect the paint very well against a fast team. They can't keep them out of transition because they're a fast team, and their two best players happen to be good at stuff. The Pacers suck at defending. It happened for a whole game. The Pacers lose. Right? They were right there. They kind of figured it out. They were getting the stuff with Sabonis and Liver, but it wasn't quite enough. So, what did we learn? The Wizards are probably better right now, but the Pacers do have a blueprint to win in a one-game series if it comes to that, and the plan could be coming up soon. But the Pacers have to get to the plan, and to do that, they need to win some games this week. If they win three games this week, we'll get to the magic number at the end, but three is their in-control number of the five games they play this week. If they win three, they're in for sure, but that's not what I'm going to talk about next. I'm going to talk about how they couldn't win one against the lowly Cleveland Cavaliers who they play tonight. So let's take a little break and then talk Pacers-Cavs, but first... Let's talk about Indeed because you are the hiring expert for your company. And you really need, what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who's going to make your life easier. And that is Indeed. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately. And Indeed skills test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can get a quality shortlist of candidates much faster than you can in other hiring sites. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests to have must-have requirements. So only you pay for applications that meet those skills tests. According to Talentest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to update, upgrade, excuse me, your job post at Indeed.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked go to indeed the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three indeed.com slash locked offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions apply the Cavs stink right the pacers have beaten the Cavs with two different iterations of their team fifth game of the season this was the day the sad day that tj warren was announced as out for a long time with his foot injury aaron holiday started at the forward spot 
Pacers destroyed the Cavs in Indy. They improved to 4-1 brighter days back then, right? Victor Oladipo was on the Pacers. He had 16 points and 8 assists. Sabonis and Turner were both fantastic. Brogdon was healthy, right? They got a lot out of a lot of guys that game and rolled over the Cavs. The Cavs were not very good back then. Although, remember, they had the number one defense for a short time back then. Then, in early March, when the Pacers were absolutely playing like garbage, Karras was not back yet. So they're starting McDermott and Justin Holiday on the wings. They're still trying to figure out their bench rotation. Aaron Holiday is really struggling. They still beat the Cavs when they were at basically their lowest point. 114-111. If you recall that game, TJ McConnell had like one of the most historic nights we've ever seen. Nine steals in one quarter, or maybe nine and a half. I don't remember exactly what it was. Doesn't matter. It was a ton. He finished with a triple-double with steals. 16 points, 13 assists, 10 steals. So guards, if you go to Depot and, Bro- and McConnell, excuse me, have done very well against the Cavs. And Brogdon had 29, in your, if you'll recall, in that win in Cleveland back in March. So the Pacers are just better than the Cavs. And... The Cavs are really injured, and they're tanking, right? The Cavs do not want to win at all. They played the Mavs tonight, or before I'm recording this, so a few hours ago. So last night for you listening. And they were at without uh, Darius Garland, and Kevin Love was a game-time decision, and a couple of their other, uh, Chetty Osmond's hurt. They, their, their injury list was long and full of questionable guys that didn't play. So Dean Wade started for them, and a bunch of young, and Ayers and Verizal, they just brought him back. He played a bunch of minutes. Broderick Thomas, uh, Bele, who they just picked up this year. You probably don't even know who these guys are. That's kind of what I'm saying. Their rotation is bad right now. They got smoked by the by the Mavericks, 124 to 97. Right? It it, it was easy. Um, Doncic got ejected, and didn't it didn't matter. They still rolled over the Cavs. So the Cavs stink right now. That said, the Pacers cannot take this game lightly. They really need this win. And Colin Sexton can go off anytime. He had 24 points against the Mavs, but that's where I think the Pacers need to focus on getting their advantages in this one. They have better guards, and one guard has done well, or two have done well against the Cavs. Every single game the Pacers have played this season, Brogdon having that big game, McConnell, Oladipo. Karras is due for a big night, I think, here if uh, if Garland plays or not. Sexton can't really defend him. Okoro, Isaac Okoro is actually a very talented player. He does not have the speed to keep up with Karras quite yet, and you know rookies don't really have the experience handling his wide variety of moves and shiftiness and stuff. So Karras, I think, is due for a big night, and Sumner can especially get by some of these guys. McConnell, of course, will be very important as well. And then Dean Wade and Kevin Love as forwards. Okay, players not very quick, right? Get McDermott moving as a shooter. Get O'Shea moving off of these handoffs too, right? O'Shea has been kind of struggling with his offensive late, which, again, we fi- finally, I don't want to say it's great that we're right because he's struggling, but you know, it, it made sense given his past that he wouldn't keep up with how he's playing. He's still a, a been a plus player, but the, the shot not falling for him anymore means he needs to be moving, making those guys move and struggle because Jared Allen's a good player. The Cavs man in the middle is a beast, especially on the glass. They're not even playing him that much because, again, they're tanking, but... Um, you know, that's where the Cavs can get an advantage is Jared Allen's pretty good. So in the minutes he's in, especially when Simonis is out, could be big for the Cavs. Um, but, yeah, the, I think the the advantage the Pacers can get is in the guards, especially if Garland is not going to play. He did not play for the Cavs yesterday. It's a back-to-back. They're tanking. I'd imagine that he will not be playing again, but I don't know that. They don't release their injury report on the same day they play for the game the next day. But that the guards is a big spot for the Pacers here. And then the bench, right? McConnell did amazing last time. I already talked about that a million times. But like I just said, Anderson Verjao, Broderick Thomas, me and Fondu Kabengele, man, his name is hardest for me to say, are on the on the Cavs bench. None of those guys were on the Cavs team at the start of the season. Jeremiah Martin was in their rotation against the Mavs. He was on their team at the start of the season. Four of their five guys in their bench rotation were not on their team 
at the start of this season, right? It's a very weak unit. Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday, Goga, whoever they play, Keelan Martin, if he gets big burn again. And if, if the Pacers were firmly in the plan, I would do a whole segment on, there's five games left. Just give Cassius Stanley Keelan Martin's minutes. What the hell are we doing here? Like, they're the 10 seed right now. Anyway, that's for another day. Um, the, the Pacers' second unit should be better than this Cavs' second unit. They need to win those minutes because the Cavs starters do have some guys between Love, who's an okay player, Colin Sexton especially, Dean Wade. We saw how good he can shoot against the Pacers last time. Jared Allen's a good player too. Like Those guys could, all in theory, have a big night and make this game challenging. And the Pacers need to win it. So the bench guys have got to step up, dominate those minutes. Aaron Holiday, again, having a nice little stretch. He's fitting in more than he's trying to stand out. If he can do that, Pacers have a shot in this one. I think they're going to win, right? They 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 played really well against the Hawks and won. They played pretty well against the Wizards, and they they really could have won that game. I mean, it's like a few calls here and there, a few you know bad breaks here and there. They could have won that game. They didn't play good enough to deserve it. You know what I mean? Like it could have gone either way, but they could have won that game, right? They're playing well the last two games the Pacers have. If they can keep that momentum going. Their second-to-last road game of the year. Go beat the Cavs. Keep your playing hopes alive, which I think the whole team wants to be a part of that. That'd be big for their season. I think they'll do it. I think they're going to win in Cleveland. The Cavs don't want to win. It's a back-to-back, so they have every excuse to hold out every good player on their team who is not 24 or younger, basically. So their rotation could even not include Kevin Love, <laughs> which would weaken that. I guess maybe it would help them a little bit. He's been pretty rough recently, but... Um, maybe it would, you know, hurt them even more. So should be a Pacers win. I'm imagining they're going to, but you know, fluky things happen at the end of these seasons. Uh, the Pistons just beat the Grizzlies a few nights ago, right? The Pacers have to come out with urgency, play hard and get the win. If they want to get it, it'll be huge for them. So I think the Pacers will win. I really do. But this team has not failed to surprise me many times this season. So we'll see what happens. All right. Magic number calculator. I went crazy today because I'm... I was bored. <laughs> I wanted to do some magic number talk. So let's do that. It's kind of standings watch. It's kind of not. But first, we got to talk about two groups of people. And you already know one of them. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season currently going in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Plus, of course, NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, MMA action even on there. BetOnline.ag, for example, for their NBA action tomorrow. They have Pelicans, Grizzlies on there. Pelicans just got a big win over the Hornets, which helps the Pacers. They play the Grizzlies on a back-to-back, and they're um, the Grizzlies are favored by 10 points. That, you know, when I looked at that, I know Zion's out, but that kind of surprised me. Pelicans are at least still good without Zion. I think that game's going to be closer than 10. I still probably pick the Grizzlies, but uh, this is not betting advice, just me looking at the odds they have there. So go check it out before the next pitch, before the next at-bat, whatever. Head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news and bonuses and content info they have. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. That's BetOnline.ag. Sign up on your mobile device or computer today you'll receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the promo code locked on all one word with your when you sign up betonline.ag or online sportsbook experts and of course the great folks over at built bar who are making the best tasting protein bars ever what's your favorite built bar flavor i don't know if you listening have one yet but you got to try them so you can have one mine's peanut butter brownie it's my favorite i get the variety packs all the time which comes with two of every flavor and when you talk to a built bar fan Everybody's passionate about their favorite flavors. Josh Lloyd, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball host, lives in Australia, and he's asking other hosts to ship him some um, because they don't ship to Australia yet, sorry. But if you're in America, they're that good that people are buying them for him and mailing them down to him. He loves them that much. His family loves them that much. So not only are Built Bar flavors 
delicious, and good tasting. They're healthy too. For example, most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and it has only 4 grams of net carbs. So go check them out today, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Magic numbers are boring. I know I just did standings watch last Wednesday after the Kings game. Pacers have only played twice since then. I might be overdoing this, but I think it's interesting and very dynamic as the season goes on. So the Bulls have four games left. The Wizards have four games left. The Hornets have four games left. Checking in on the standings, the Wizards are a half game ahead of the Pacers. And it seems like the Wizards are cruising, and they should finish well ahead of the Pacers if you just watch Wizards Pacers. But Bradley Beal got hurt, and he's already out for their game Monday. Shams Trani reported that he could miss even a little more time than that. Uh, let me read his exact wording so I don't mince any words here. Bradley Beal underwent an MRI that ruled out significant injury to the hamstring, but he is ruled out Monday already, and his status is uncertain for the remaining regular season games Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Tough break for the Wizards. So, the Wizards are catchable in theory, right? The Pacers don't control their own destiny against them because the Wizards could win out, and then the Pacers could not catch them at all. They lost that tiebreaker. But Wizards, kind of vulnerable without Beal. Obviously, Russ has been amazing. Hornets lost today to the Pelicans. They're 33-35, and 35, so one and a half ahead of the Pacers. Could be just one ahead uh, if the Pacers can beat the Cavs tonight. And then the Bulls lurking. Beat the Celtics and the Pistons. Both teams struggling over the weekend to move. Two and a half behind the Pacers. They have four more games. The Bulls have four more games. The Wizards have four more games. And the Hornets have four more games. Right? So, the Bulls have a tough schedule left. And this will be something we talk about with the Pacers tomorrow, right? We were thinking that, okay, there's a chance that you hit this last week of the season. A lot of these teams are tanking. Or or they have already got their playoff position locked up. And they're not trying anymore. For the Bulls, they play the Nets twice and the Bucks this week and the Raptors. Raptors could be out of it by the time that game happens, but the Nets and Bucks are really jockeying for that 2-3 seed, right? And the Nets have been struggling recently, so they've been falling out of it. They could be trying to chase the 76ers for the 1 seed. The Bucks and the Nets, though, only a half game apart in the 2-3 right now. So those two teams could be trying. So both schedule pretty hard. Again, Bucks, Nets, Nets, Raptors is their last four. So if the Bulls only win one of those four games, the Pacers make the playoffs. The Pacers... Already have 31, the Bulls have 29. The magic number is zero in that case. If the Bulls go 2-2, two and two, the Pacers need one win in their last five games to finish ahead of the Bulls. Reminder, the Bulls played the Nets twice and the Bucks. So any situation where the Bulls finish 2-2, two and two, regardless of what the Wizards do, regardless of what the Hornets do, any, position, any possibility where the Bulls go 2-2 two and two the rest of the way, the Pacers' magic number for a play in berth would be one. If the Bulls go three and one, if they surprise, they beat the Nets and the they beat the Nets twice and the Raptors, but they lose to the Bucks. The Pacers would then have to win twice, regardless of what the Wizards do or what the Hornets do. Okay, so thinking about that, let's just pretend the Bulls have an amazing week. They have home games against some of these good teams. Right? They surprise the Nets on Monday. The Raptors are out of it by Thursday. The pace, you know, the Pacers. If they win Monday, the Raptors' season is over. They cannot make the play in. Uh, so let's say that happens, and the Bulls are two and zero, right? So that means in their final two games, the Pacers have to get one. The Pacers would still need to get one more win, okay? And if the Bulls go three and one, the Pacers have to win twice. If the Bulls go four and zero, which is not impossible, it'd be very hard. But if the Bulls go four and zero, the Pacers' magic number is a little more complicated because 
if you know if the the Wizards could lose out without Beal, they could go zero and four, and then the Wizards finish the season thirty two and thirty six, and then the Pacers would only need two wins to catch them, and it, the Bulls could pass the Wizards too in that case. So the Pacers magic the Pacers could only need two wins if the Bulls go four and zero. And then there's the Hornets, who only have 33 wins. They have the tiebreaker over the Pacers as well. But there are also scenarios where the Pacers only need three wins to catch the Hornets. And the Hornets don't make the playoffs because the Bulls have the tiebreaker over the Hornets as well. The Bulls did a great job against these other teams in the play-in scenarios. They have all these random tiebreakers. I was looking this all up today. So if the Bulls go, if the Pacers beat the Cavs and then the Bulls lose both games to the Nets, they play the Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and maybe even James Harden. If the Bulls get swept by the Nets this season and the Pacers beat the Cavs tonight, the Pacers are in the playoff. Their magic number is one. If the Bulls go two and two, it could be that simple, okay? And there are still scenarios where the Wizards are in play, right? The Wizards actually play the Hornets the last day of the season, right? That can end up mattering a ton. That means one of those two teams can't win out, okay? So the best possible wins for the Hornets is 36. The best possible wins, or excuse me, the Hornets is 37. The best for the Wizards is 36. But one of those teams can't reach that number. And the Pacers can reach 36. So, right, if the Hornets win that game, maybe the Pacers can catch the Wizards. And that could change their spot in the standings. Or the Pacers can end up playing the Hornets in the playing game instead, right? Maybe I just wasted my time focusing on a playing scenario involving uh, the Wizards. Anyway, looking at the rest of the playoff standings, all these magic numbers I will post it on Twitter. I know what I just said is probably very confusing. But basically... Take the Bulls' number of wins the rest of the season, right? They have four more games. Subtract one, and that's the Pacers' magic number. Unless the Wizards go 0-4, in which case you can subtract two from the number of Bulls' wins, and that's the Pacers' magic number. So if the Wizards keep losing, then the Pacers, the stress they have to require the rest of the season, becomes a little smaller even, right? So if you really want to see the Pacers in a play-in game, which I think very few people do at this point. Most people want to see them higher in the lottery. But if you're still one of those people who wants to see them in a high-stakes basketball game, you should be rooting heavily against the Wizards and pretty strongly against the Bulls. Hornets basically not a factor, but could become a factor, which is why I included them in this big chart. This, all again, I'll tweet it out tomorrow uh, once I get it all colored up in actual Excel and not Google Sheets because Google Sheets is terrible. Something else that happened over the weekend. The, the Miami Heat beat the Celtics. Um, that game doesn't sound relevant to the Pacers, but it kind of was because it officially got the Miami Heat the, their 37th win, which is one more than the Pacers can get. And that was the sixth team in the East to reach 37 wins. So the Pacers officially cannot just make the playoffs outright, right? That was what we were talking about for all of April as the reason they should keep trying. They could still make the playoffs outright, reach these higher seeds. They can no longer do that. If the Pacers want to make the playoffs it has to be via the playing games. Technically, the Celtics are a reachable team at seven, right? I didn't include them in this giant calculator machine thing I just did. Celtics only have 35 wins. If they lose out, they'll have 37 losses. So they're guaranteed to make the play-in because the Bulls can't catch them. So the Celtics are involved. Or the Celtics are going to be playing a basketball game with stakes at some point. But the you know the Pacers could catch them in theory. But you know the what the exercise I was doing with the Wizards, the Bulls, the Pacers, and the Hornets are the teams that could fall out of the play-in race. Like the Bulls could in theory go 33 and 39 and knock out the Hornets. So the Hornets still not guaranteed there. I have to include them. But the Celtics are technically catchable by some of these teams, and they've been struggling of late. But adding them into the calculator doesn't really have any bearing for the Pacers anyway. Uh, their magic number for catching the Celtics and the Hornets is basically the same. So what you should, again, they're, met, they're, big, they're guaranteed birth in the 
Like, even if all these teams go 4-0, which is technically impossible because the Hornets and the Wizards play each other. But let in in the scenario where the Wizards, who are the lower record team, and the Bulls go 4-0, the Pacers would need three wins this week to get a playoff berth. So the magic number for a playoff berth remains three. And that is what we will continue to discuss this week. If they win against the Cavs, that number falls to two. A magic number is number of wins for the Pacers minus number of losses for the team directly behind them in the standings. So we'll continue to break that all down this week. That's the story of the week, that and the Bjorkren stuff. So thank you guys for tuning in. That was me talking about something that's interesting to me and maybe not interesting to you, but whatever. Hope you guys have a great Monday. Adam will be back tomorrow with me to do our weekly show, previewing the Pacers' upcoming week, talking Cavs, talking Pacers' situation. We'll have it all. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.